0: Bless Mark with that. Bless Mark with one. That's going to be good. Although what I'm teaching tonight's not in the discipleship book. <laughs> but it's an awesome thing that goes with the discipleship. Praise the Lord. How is everybody? Awesome. Huh? Oh, yeah. Todd's, Todd is on it. How are you, James? It's awesome. Awesome, awesome. All right. It's so funny, we've been changing the website so much that we've had to be writing little paragraphs about every little outreach, so I've been working on that, and you know, I don't like to do it unless it like really flows, you know, out, but um, I actually had to write the the one for sonship. No, take it piece by piece, it's so deep. I just want to thank God, I just want, well, first off, let's just open up in prayer. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you and we honor you and we glorify your name. Lord, we just thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, as an example to show us your first fruits and your way. Lord, as we humble ourselves to learn what he walked through and where he has taken us, Lord, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that works within us so that we can know the riches of your glory and know and perceive how deep your love is for us and your growth for us so that we can know what we're set out to do. So, Lord, I thank you for the plan that you have put in each and every one of us to advance the kingdom of God on the earth. And, Lord, we just thank you and we honor you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You know, I'm going to tell you something. It is amazing how he wants to teach us how to perceive him. That's 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 part of the being a disciple is learning how to perceive the depth of Christ and what he did for us to have life. When we are called a disciple, a discipleship, I don't know if Chris did a good job on the discipleship lesson, but a disciple is one who learns to follow and follows. So we're called to learn about him so we can do what? Follow him. Who wants to work for somebody? (laughs) Think about this because we've all worked for somebody we didn't want to work for. (laughs) Who wants to work for somebody that you don't believe in what they're doing? A teacher shouldn't become a teacher if they don't believe in teaching children. A person should not work with kids if they don't believe in the development of them. You know, somebody shouldn't be a crane operator if they don't like cranes. (laughs) There are sometimes there are things that we are called to do. And, you know, God already puts a place for us to work. But our works are supposed to be in him. Those are the true works of joy. How many people study the word, do something in ministry, do something kind for somebody? And you feel better after that than you do eight hours of labor, right? Because there are works that are already preordained. It's in his word. Ephesians tells us, and it's Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. If you want to put it up here, Ephesians 8 through 10 reminds us that for us to even be a disciple of Christ, first thing, we have to be in agreement with that. That means we have to accept Christ in our heart and confess it that we know that he's the son of God doesn't mean we'll perceive everything about him. It takes time to perceive the depth of him. And the more we gain more of that perception, we want to become his disciple. We actually want to, we want to learn about him and we want to start following what he's teaching us. And so it says, and that please don't do it amplified, just do regular the amplified. Sometimes I get caught up on too many of the words on the amplified. But it says, for it is by grace. There is a grace God has already, he sent his son. His son is to show us how this grace works. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. Now, this is what I love about through faith. Through faith means you don't see it all. You are actually stepping out in something you can't see or understand. But you know you want what that feels like. See, Satan comes to steal, kill, and strong, and he wants to entertain our flesh, so we'll do what our flesh will try to satisfy instead of what he wants to do to satisfy through trusting him. And so he says, and that not of yourselves, this is what, this is the perception I've been really getting this, this, this past couple weeks, is that nothing can be done of ourselves Because if we did it ourselves, man, we have already would have have given ourselves the inheritance, right? We've already spent all the money. (laughs) We We would have already picked out who we wanted, and we would have picked everything out the way exactly we would want to receive it, because we would be doing it out of the eyes of our own self. When we come to Christ, our eyes are going to be matured until we can perceive what is his plan for our life. Because he even says this "This is a gift from God, his grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast that they did it. Isn't that awesome? Who's going to boast that they did it? For we are his workmanship. God created, you know, I asked a really good question. You know, God's been around the whole time. Yes, he has. He has been around the whole time because he created the earth. He created every single thing about us. He knew James was going to be James. He knew Todd was going to be, he knew Mark was going to be like that. He knew Niana. He knew every spot on your little body. He knew everything he created in you. Sheila, Kenrick, all of us in here, God already created each of us in a certain workmanship that he knows he was going to put us in a starting position, the starting line for your ultimate victory of what you were called to do for him. And if you are seeking that diligently, what you're called to do for him, then he brings you everything that you need to do that job. He brings you every provision, every protection. The thing is we're stubborn because we know know the excitement and how excitement feels. So we want to advance in that for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Isn't that awesome? I feel like crying. (laughs) I think I'm going to cry through the lesson because there's a depth of knowing that whatever we're called to do, we can't do it by ourselves. We can only do it by the free gift received, given to us in, in Christ, which is his grace through faith. Doesn't that make you excited? It makes me excited, but also at the same time, it makes me, you just feel so much because as a disciple, one who learns is one who will also follow him. So I I love it. Everybody that's sitting here, I know you all love Jesus. You may not perceive everything of the awareness of him that's going on around you, but I know you love him because you're sitting here in this chair. You've come and you sat in this chair because you want to learn and you want to follow. And that's so important. Chris taught us last week that a disciple must subordinate all their earthly relationships to the loyalty to Christ. That means... Every reasoning, every argument, every thought, every perception that you have created, he is wanting that in the earth, he's wanting you to put that aside for your loyalty to him. Because in that loyalty to him, he shows you another piece of who you are because he dwells within you. Isn't that awesome? I remember when a prophet said a long time ago, he said, people will look into your eyes and they'll see Jesus. Well, I thought that was amazing. You could get excited about that because he already dwells in you. As he dwells and he grows, as you follow and learn about him, then people see him in you. And it's awesome. People are drawn to that because the whole purpose is to keep bringing people into the body of Christ for the unity of faith. Isn't that awesome to grow in understanding him? We are to, it says here, and I don't know if Chris read this last week, To hate family is not a command or a statement of fact, but a way of expressing the importance of the allegiance of Jesus. There was a word that says, if you are following him, you're going to leave what? Mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers. You have to leave the thinking of all these other places that you've grown up so that you can move towards what he has for you to think, feel, and do for him. I like it. He has works, good works, that he already created in Christ created in Christ Jesus for good works. He already has those good works in us, but those good works can only be revealed in him. So discipleship is so important because it means total renunciation of selfish interest. Isn't that crazy? I love it when I watch people go through sanctification in here. If you like sport, you need to take some break from what? Sports, right? No, I'm serious. You got to pull away from that. Hey, if you like shooting some turkey, hunting, all I heard from Ty when I first met him, bass, fi- no, not bass fishing, ducks, ducks, ducks unlimited was his theme, ducks unlimited. That means he wanted to go duck hunting. He had all these things And I would giggle because sometimes what we enjoy to do, God asks us to pull back on those things. Carrie, it was golf. Carrie had to give up golf for a long time. Carry had to give up some facial hair for a long time. He loved his goatee, and he just couldn't have that anymore. See, God moves things away from us so that we recognize who he is in us. It's amazing how you can look at a picture of Carrie before. You couldn't see Christ and all that. And now you look at Carry, you can see the, I love it, you see the lion coming right out of his face. So we actually have to know it's a selfish interest that we're, we're moving out of so that he can, we can maximize the, real, the realization of Christ's purpose in our life. Um, I, there is a maximum capacity that we're all each born to experience here on earth with the fullness of him working through you. Isn't that powerful? And so this is awesome. I'm gonna, this is going to be a two-type lesson time here. We are going to go through two. It's going to take two lessons to get through this. Gene had pulled some verses together. And I like that. Remember how we talked about the eight signs that you know you've actually converted into Christ, that you know that you're living for him? Remember that lesson? Most of you are here for that. But now here are the 10 tests of discipleship. Okay, so remember, a disciple is one who wants to learn and follow Christ. They have to leave that other mindset of moving out selfishness and renunciating that, and, and, and learning and perceiving the realization of Christ in you. But there are 10 tests of discipleship. Don't you want to know those? I know Mamie's already typing them out, right? 10 tests of discipleship. And this is a way, a checklist that you'll know, how. what are these 10 tests? And I got two verses almost for each one of these that are going to back up the test and going to show us what it's about. So let's start with the first one. Uh, No, that's why I said it's a new addition to the book. I said what I'm teaching tonight is not in the book. So this is going to be good. So this is going to be the next two tapes. Ten tests of discipleship. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't know if I should read the all ten out, but actually I'll read the first five and we're going to teach the first five tonight. The first one is, if you want to write it down, is world persecution. How do you know you're a disciple of Christ? Hey, you are going to experience some world persecution. (laughs) Number two, the second one we're going to talk about tonight is fearless preaching. How do you know your discipleship of Christ? There's fearless preaching. Number three is fearless consecration. (laughs) Number four is fearless faith. And number five is bold confession of Christ. So we're going to talk about the first one, world persecution. World persecution. Go ahead and put up Matthew 10.25. Matthew 10.25. Now, my type of thinking, just to let you know, my worldly thinking, I would think if I was so happy and loving Christ so much and my world has changed and I am seeing things different, why would anybody want to persecute me? (laughs) I had a hard time understanding this. But it is cool. Matthew 10.25 says, It is enough. For a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house, bell, I know I never say these names really well, how much more will they call those of his household? Okay. The most important part is understanding that if it is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher. When we, when God Christ asks, when we invite him into our heart and we start walking out, we are going to actually have to walk out what our teacher has walked out. That's kind of a hard thing to understand. Because you know what? When you grow, when you have children and the first thing, now I just remember my father saying this and I remember I thought this about Rachel. When you have a child, what's the first thing you want to do? Give them better than what you think you lack. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, I remember my dad said, I just want you kids to have better than what I had. I just want you to have better. And then you're thinking, this is better, <laughs> right? And my dad would say that all the time. I just want to give you guys better than what I had. I just want to give you better than what I had. And But yet that's perspective. That is a perceived understanding of what that person lacked. So whatever he lacked, he thinks he fulfilled and gave me something better than what he got. And then what do I do? I turn around and I have Rachel. And what do I want to do? I want to give her the fill in the lack that I thought that I had thinking I'm doing her better. But in Christ, he wants us to learn how to perceive and feel and know what he went through so that we can understand what the meaning of this walk is. So It is enough for a disciple that he be like a teacher. That means he's going to walk out that same path and a servant like his master. You know, as I opened up tonight, I said, who wants to work for somebody they don't believe in? When you believe in Christ and we become followers and we actually want to learn and follow him, we are being drawn to want to be what? Like him. We're all supposed to grow in the character and the image of Christ. So in that... When we watch how Christ walked, how did Christ walk? He took some persecution. He walked out what his father had for him, and that's what he experienced. Go to, so if they have called the master of the house, a title, how much more, I don't, I don't know how to say that, Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? This is awesome. Look what Christ did. I love it in Ephesians where it says, that the one who ascended also had to descend. Think about that. As we are walking in him, we are learning how to do what? Ascend and descend and understand that way. Well, we have to actually walk out with the same persecutions, our master, our leader. If he actually is risen up and has the spirit of resurrection, then we're going to actually have to go through the same steps. But we're so blessed because we go through it where? the renewing of our mind, the renewing of our soul. Go to John 15, 18. It's awesome. There's a a verse that says about receiving the reward of somebody else. You know, I tell everybody in here, when we come in here and we learn to worship, we're like little fishies jumping in, something that was already established. But we still have to go through the same process, but it's easier because we're taught through the time. John 15, 8 says, If the world hates you... You know that it hated me before it hated you. So it's the same thing. If you see that your leader is being persecuted or a mentor, so we look upon Jesus and we see what he went through, be prepared because then we are going to experience the same thing. You know, the light that was in him, darkness had to question because ultimately the darkness wanted to be the light. It wants, to, it wants to feel what that is. So if the world hates you, I love it. It's kind of like a consolation. <sighs> well, if he hated you, then guess what? Then he hates me. If you are a disciple, if you are learning to follow me, and you are actually stepping out the steps of that growth, then be prepared. There's going to be people that won't like you. And if they don't like you, then guess what? They don't like him. There is such a humbling of heart when you meet somebody who's truly a disciple of Christ. Because they understand what you're going through. They understand the process. But it might not be the same outlook. It could be going through something different in their renewal process. So, the world, you are going to experience world persecution. How many people have experienced that already? The moment you started coming to Christ and understanding and accepting and confessing Him, you actually started feeling attacks from people you didn't even expect to feel attacks from. And you're just one of talking about the excitement of what you're learning. All right, number two fearless preaching. Ah, I love this part. go to matthew 10, 26, 27. go ahead and put them up together. Fearless preaching when we come to Christ, one of the first blocks, I see people they can come they can they can feel his love, they can feel the grace, they can feel the pardon of a sin, they can have these experiences, and then you just want to turn and you want to tell people, but then sometimes, as you're telling them something. You actually don't really understand what you're saying. How many people have experienced that? Right? And then you start, okay, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can do this. I remember one time I was growing and this chart, and somebody came in this office, and I took them over to the chart, and I wanted to tell them about the chart, and all this stuff was coming to my mind, and then I stopped. I had what hit me? Fear. Fear hit me because I was feeling like oh, I don't know that much about that chart. (laughs) I started explaining what was it, but immediately here, there is a fear to start preaching what I've already learned. Don't you love it? I love that chart because when you look one way and you gain the next level, you've got to turn and help somebody who's what? Behind you. All right. It says, therefore, do not fear them. Who's them? When you look into somebody's eyes, you're already starting to figure out what they think. (laughs) <laughs> there already you're trying to you start talking about something that you think you're not sure but you're feeling that you're feeling that it, it there is a block that has to be broke of the confidence of Christ in you and that you can only gain that by spending time with him you can only gain that by experiencing him therefore do not fear them those are the enemies that dwell in a person's mind for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. Now, this is crazy. When I started learning to um, uh, meditate and get the revelation of the word, I would hear things in in my inner self. Like even I read a definition the other day and God was explaining to me, no, this is me. <laughs> this is not me. This is me. You know what I mean? And then I get that. I feel that excitement when I know I'm hearing something in my ear, but I also know I have to keep what? Pressing it out. There are times scripture when I would, Gene, when I would, he said, teach up here, I would have scripture and I would start, I hear things while the scripture's going and then I start speaking it and I hadn't even really thought about it or practiced it out. How many times did that happen? Have you experienced that? I always told, I warned that to Chris. I said, Chris, when you come up here and you start teaching under this anointing, you're going to look up at a scripture and that scripture is going to speak to you because it's going to be Christ wanting something out for you. All right. I love this. God gave us an awesome mind where our salvation has to be worked out. And part of the spots in our mind hold us back from preaching what God is teaching us, holding us back Because why? That has to take time and working out our salvation, working out. Come on, Carl. When you were up here last night, there was some revelation that was hitting you, wasn't it? And you didn't have it written down on your paper. You do not. You can't have it written down on your paper. I love it because sometimes we fear what somebody else is looking at us. I'm telling you, I remember thinking I would get so nervous to stand up here because I'd have to look into everybody's eyes. So then I said to myself, okay, just look above their heads. (laughs) Look at, hey, come on. Hey, didn't they say, think of everybody like they're in their underwear, right? How many times have you heard that in public speaking? That means, you know what that meant? That means level it off. Level it off. Recognize that you're a human being just as much as them sitting down in that seat. What the Lord really showed me which really helped me because I had man pleasing issues. So I'm looking like I want to speak and try to please everybody as I'm going along. But I, I used to look above the heads. Now, when I look out, the Lord showed me this. He said, they have a void spirit waiting to hear what I want to say. He says, you can't mess up. The Lord showed me that he took. That's how I started building my a fearless confidence Do you know what I mean? But at the same time, as I'm standing up here, I like this. Whatever, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Do you know every time we teach, every time we share something with something, something about ourselves becomes uncapped? Isn't that beautiful? Being a disciple in Christ and learning how to follow him is also learning how to deal with, with the uncapping of the unrevelation that you're learning within your own soul. And then you're helping someone else. Does that make sense to everybody? It actually, as you're walking through it, he builds a confidence in you. There's a confidence that he starts building. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak it in the light. How many people have been afraid to share a revelation that they know God has given them? Or to tell an experience or to share a testimony. I love this. How many people have had the dream? We talked about this today, um uh Chris and um Marvin. How many people have had the dream where they've just wanted to scream out Christ's name and they feel like they can't because a hand's holding them back? Yeah. Have you right? There's because the enemy knows that if it can keep its dominion, the things that you don't that you don't grow out of yourselves he can keep you from speaking what he's trying what God is trying to tell you what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to you so fearless preaching takes time it takes a disciple that's going to what worship that's going to what spend time in the word and that's going to pray to God and even ask him ask me he says if you ask for wisdom he will do what give you the answer how many people spend time it's like I didn't realize how important it is to have a notebook, to write questions, to get something that illuminates and you're wanting to know more about it. He, he brings you the answers really quickly. He wants us to be fearless in our preaching, but you have to be a disciple. So it's a test of discipleship when you're put in front of somebody. <laughs> I remember that day. I remember I stopped talking because I didn't think I could do it. I didn't think I could do it. I was like, I don't think I really know him. <laughs> I really don't know him that well. Like, I don't want to talk about somebody that I don't know, right? Our relationship with him is so important so we can what? Share the things he shares with us. I love that. So we can gain an ear and we then we preach from the top. There is levels of our preaching. How do you know your disciple? You should see an increase in your fearless presentation of how you'll preach the word out how you'll wait to hear him. All right? Think about it. We're not supposed to be saying the same thing all the time. You know what I mean? We have good testimonies that we can share, and their testimonies are of God. But then our revelation has to come out. And you know when it's a revelation. You feel it dart right out and hit the person, right? It's awesome. So praise God. So there is a fearless preaching. It takes time. Every time you go from working out your salvation and Christ grows more of you, he's pushing out that darkness. That I love this. Therefore, do not fear them. How many of us fear people? I fear people. Do you know what I mean? That's the one thing. Oh, come on. Nobody else fears people. Put your hands up. Mark, right? Have you feared somebody? You're so tall. <laughs> come on, Mark. Mark walks in. Hey. <laughs> See how those muscles. But you know what? We you know what I've noticed? It's amazing how the strongest physical guys have so much fear. They still fear the intellect. We fear the intellect because you can look. The eyes are the gateway to the soul. You can see when somebody's really, oh, they're thinking. (laughs) I don't know if I'm prepared for this answer. It says that we're supposed to become approved. He says that there is a, he says he wants us to search the word out. And he wants us to be ready for a time in season and out of season to present whatever he's asking us to present. And I like that. If you have his grace through faith Something can come out and you just need to let it flow. You know what I mean? And it will come. Oh, the fire. <sighs> okay. <laughs> we do so much worship in this place. It's awesome. We go through candles. The candle, the candle budget has gone up. Okay. All right. Let's talk about number three. So everybody gets fearless preaching like Mamie. It was awesome last night. Mamie and Carl did a great job. Carl kept saying to me, oh, "I'm so nervous." He's nerve. He was nervous. Everybody's sweating it out. You know what I mean? White shirts are good. Not color shirts, right? Yeah. And he's up here and he's teaching it out. But you couldn't even tell that you had the nerves because you let the spirit lead through the teaching, through the revelation he gave you. And then Mamie comes up and it's now not trying to convince people of a revelation. It's like, this is how it really is. This is really how it is. You can tell as we're growing. That's why testimonies, this house will be built on testimonies. We don't want people to fear coming up and sharing their testimony Why? Because it's a dressing room. The one lady asked me, this is a really cool thing. She I I think she asked me, not the denomination, but she was trying to get the feel of what was this place of last night, the new lady. So I talked to her afterwards and I said, This is just a dressing room. This is a place I just typed it up. I just typed up the little review for what is equipping the saints. This is a place where we grow up to find out whose we are and who we are, so we can advance the kingdom of God on the earth. In that there's a confidence that has to be built. When you start a job, oh, come on. I remember the first time I worked at Burger King. People are shouting out orders and you're having to press numbers and minus this and do this on No way. I was not a food worker. I didn't do good with that. I couldn't keep it all into me. But then what happened? Every day I came to the job and did it, I got what? Better, I got better, I got better. Hey, I was a lifeguard and I kept thinking, and the one thing they teach you in a lifeguard, is start from one end, count the bodies, go to the other end, count the bodies, and go back. And you know what I was saying I was always counting the bodies. Don't anybody drown? Don't anybody I did. I'd sit on the lifeguard, I'd start counting down one end, but you know what? And I got nervous. Why was I nervous? Because I had fear if I had to really go down and see CPR. I am serious. You can do it on a dummy, but to do it in live action. You, I was calling it out, you do not drown, you do not drown, you do not drown. I never had to do anything my whole lifeguard career, all through college. I, I lifeguarded at the YMCA, but I had fear. But now, think about this. When you get used to a job, what happens? The more you get comfortable with something, the more you get comfortable with someone. When we become the disciples of Christ, we're becoming so comfortable with his word and the belief and the love, and when the love and the truth click... And there's a peace in you, man, it just comes out and it becomes a fearless preaching. How do we know somebody's growing? How do we know somebody's a disciple in here? They are breaking out of the fear of coming up here and talking. Todd never wanted to come up and give a testimony. I said, Todd, come on, you've been coming here long enough. What is the testimony? (laughs) Because you know, it's awesome when somebody comes up and they're nervous about giving their testimony, because that means what's happening. God is removing something out of them and increasing something of him. Do you know when you stand up here, something of darkness becomes light? Think about it. I want everybody to think about when they've come up here, something of darkness becomes light and then boom, that fear leaves and the confidence of him increases. Now, come on. That's why I was trying to tell Chris. I said, Chris, you're going to love your first teaching on a Saturday night because when that, I always remembered when that revelation hit and it wasn't even what I was studying. (laughs) It would come out. I'd be so excited. But yet we have to be confident enough to let it grow. This is a dressing room. Telling your friend that last night, this is a place that we become confident, bold, knowing how to approach him, grow with him, and become who he has called us to be, which goes into number three, fearless consecration. Okay, that's easy for me. I don't mind being set apart. In fact, I can do fine not really going out and doing very much. But now for our evangelists, for those who love people, and want to be out with people, you know what I mean? In general, when you have learned to be in a certain environment, it's hard to consecrate yourself unto him so that he can actually make a home in you and dwell in you. Go to Matthew 10:28. Matthew 10 28. Oh, it's already up there. I like it. You're already ahead. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him. Who is able to destroy both the soul and body in hell. Okay, you know what that means? If we're not gonna take the time to be consecrated unto God, you just might as well just start. I mean, you're you that means you've decided this is the this is the best life is gonna get. Because if we don't take the time to consecrate ourselves unto him, we're going to hell. You are not, you're not gonna visit. It's gonna be your body and your soul go to hell. Now, get this picture. This took me a while to get this. When I accepted Christ in my heart, bing, the regenerated spirit becomes alive. When we become, when the spirit becomes regenerated, now the assignment's on for the soul to be renewed. So as the soul gets renewed, we know our physical body is going to have its day and done. But our spirit and soul can rise up to heaven and live a life that we are to look unto Christ and hope for all that awesome inheritance, the reward, the enjoyment, the joy, the peace, everything we're supposed to experience. But he says you can actually experience it here on earth during this time if you're willing to what? Renew your mind, renew that soul. Do not fear those who kill your body but cannot kill the soul. That means every step that you consecrate yourself unto him, You set yourself apart and a measure of his knowledge, a measure of his understanding, a measure of his might, a measure of his counsel, the fear of the Lord, as it starts to develop in you stronger. I love it. Your soul cannot be killed. That means a person can't hurt your feelings anymore. You really get to a point where you're here to help equip the saints. For what? To do the job of ministry. We're all here to help everybody do what their ministry call is to do. And it doesn't make a difference what age you come in here and you're set to do it. So that's the assignment. I love Houses of Zion. Houses of Zion is a place where people are going on Wednesday nights and people are really coming in, don't even know that they have to be equipped to do ministry. So, how do you know? What is one of the tests of discipleship? Fearless consecration. Are you really willing to put that time aside in the word, in the worship, in your prayer? morning and night and let something consume from the inside out so that your soul goes up to heaven. I mean, I love it. It's in stages. I'm, you know, I went through something where, you know, I watched somebody pass away. And when you watch somebody pass away, you you really do think of God. Well, did, were they really happy? Did they really get it all? And I remember the Lord said to me, what I start on earth, if you're in Christ, I finish in heaven. He knows when he what time he's going to take us, he chooses our life, he t- he decides the end of our life. The one thing that's so beautiful about life is when the Lord showed me no matter what, everybody's going to do what my son has done. They are going to lay their life down for another life, whether you choose to renew your soul or not. Every life, God chooses a time and it's going to advance another life towards him. And so we can choose to allow ourselves to be fearlessly consecrated unto him, set apart, so we can learn and grow in what he needs. So I love this. You want to know your truth? Start setting yourself apart. Start getting in that consecration. We have an awesome testimony of Frank and Julia. I know you guys know them. They are actually doing a 30-day consecration, right? Oh, they fought it and fought I'm not sure where Frank is right now. I know Julia has called and kept me very, she called me up and she said, I'm consecrating myself for 30 days, but oh my gosh, all I want to do is sleep. So what did I tell her? Sleep, get it out. How many times do we need to sleep? Sometimes we're, because we're so tired of where the enemy works our soul. Our mind is so tired. I remember one day, this is so fun. This is Carrie in consecration. Carrie comes in, he's growing in consecration, right? He's just growing, growing, growing. He says, hey, I am going on a field trip. I'm going skiing with my buddies. Well, now, just let you know, when you take the time to consecrate your soul from people, set yourself apart. And you spend time in the Word, right? Now you go back to your old ways. Okay. Well, he goes. He goes skiing with a bunch of guys. And Jean, I was like, Jean, I don't know. This doesn't feel good. I'm not feeling good for Carrie. I'm not feeling good. And he goes, Yep. But his he's not sewn back up. Sometimes when we go through something in deliverance, we're opened up because we still have to be healed. And he came back a mess. He came back a mess. His soul was so circling. He paced in here. He paced in the conference room. He paced there. He paced around Jean. He paced around. He paced. And we just sat back because he went out of his consecration time. There's a time God calls and pulls us away so he can gain more of the land within you. So he can gain more of your soul, more of him. And so when he came back, he just said it was like his mind. And we told him, Jean said, go to the salt box. He said that he went to the salt box, he just dived on the couch, and he slept for two days. And he, he said, what did I do? I thought I was supposed to seek God and do this. But what was he doing? I, we talked about this in the first verse. He was working his own works. And it had, to, it, had to, um, it had to wear him down. Well, Julia went through the same thing. Julia actually Julia slept for three days. Then after three days, she said she couldn't sleep anymore, and she started reading the Word. And then God put her in front of somebody at work and tested her. Is she truly a disciple? He put her in a place where she had to fearlessly confess Christ to another person. And Julia had never done that. She was just like, I mean, she wrote us this long text, how excited she was. And it was the first time she felt Christ bubble up inside of her. Isn't that awesome? She was like, now I'm getting it. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. When you get that taste of that type of experience, that's when fear starts moving out. But how do you get that fearless consecration? You have to really allow yourself to be set apart. Now, come on. I know everybody, there's been people in here. It's been hard, right? It's been hard. Todd, it's been hard. It's hard because we're already used to think of our, in the beginning, remember I said we talked about it, selfish interest we'll go to our own selfish interests. And you know what? Sometimes you get to a point where you can be consecrated and you, you, you totally fall in love with him to such a point that you're like, what is my interest? It's him. It really becomes what he wants you to do and where he wants you to be and what he wants you to, how to be and where to be. And so it's so beautiful. So fearless consecration truly comes with letting yourself be set apart and do not fear what people are going to say about you. I've heard people say, Oh my God, my mom is going to call me a million times. Oh, they're going to want me to go do this. They're going to want me to go do that. But when you separate yourself, you are actually taking the time to say, I care if my soul goes to heaven or if my soul is going to hell. And that's what this is telling you. I know it's just, you, you don't want to really hear these things, but I would rather fear Christ than fear going to hell. I'd rather do, how many, oh, okay. I know everybody's had this experience. When you work for a job, right? And you have your boss and you want to impress your boss, but you're really not doing a great job. But when they call it out, you, right? You have fear to get it done. What? Right? How many people have had that? A paper due in school. You get two weeks to do it, right? You're down to the wire. Fear hits in. Man, I got to wipe out this paper. That was, I mean, college and me and papers and then I'd be done, I'd be like amazed. <laughs> I would be amazed. I did that in 24 hours? Oh my gosh. If I would have taken my whole two weeks. I know. I, I do laugh at that because when I was, that's the one thing that I have to say I did like about Rachel's dad. We dated in college and I was the student that you give me two weeks to do an assignment. It's done past midnight before the clock to get it done. Got it typed up and everything. And then Rachel's dad, he had it all done like the first day. <laughs> I mean, like, he would say, I'm not doing anything until I get this done. And I'd be like, okay. <laughs> he would say, don't come and bother me. I'm studying. Okay. So, you know what I mean? Think about how many, we all have different personalities. You know, God loves us so much that he knows how to speak to all of us. And he also knows what challenges we're going to have in consecration. So let's talk about the smart kid that gets the work done right away in the first two weeks. Guess what his problem in consecration is? Huh? Having to create consecration the way they want it to be. They want to do it this way. They want to do it that way. When God just might want you to what? Relax. You put an emerald in consecration and it's hard. It really is hard for sometimes for them to relax because they're so used to what? Aligning everything, making their plans, making their schedule. I like it. Evangelists, it has to do with what? People. You know what I mean? And then rubies, they jump into it like it's a challenge and then they die out really soon. (laughs) Come on, Chris. Chris is like, yeah, we're going to do consecration. We said 30 days. Oh no, we're doing it 90 days. You should see Sheila's face. He was like, everybody who's getting ordained should do it for 90 days. Okay, Chris. Chris definitely wanted his soul to go to heaven. But let me tell you something. He petered out after how many days did Chris peter out? No, and then and then here's this. That's a ruby, and here's this. You know what Gene says to him? Gene says, "Hey, if you mess up, you got to start back from the beginning." And Chris would be like, "Ooh, right." Chris was the best boaster. Ninety days. I just I remember sitting at that meeting, and Gene's like, "Good, ninety days." I was like, "He's not going to do it. He's not going to do it." You know what I mean? But Gene was teaching him something. If you call it, are you going to do it? I love that. He stuck to it. He kept him to it. I don't know if he really ever got the 90 days done. But I think he did get 30. He came humbly. <laughs> I think it should be 30. You're right. That's why it was called out 30 from the start. I'm being cute. But consecration, we do notice, is the toughest thing. Consecration is tough for anybody, no matter how well organized with you, how much you love God, no matter what it is, it is a really hard transition. But I always tell people if they get through 30 days, I would say that if you just get through 30 days and just worship, 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 something kicks in and it just moves you and you're not doing anything. It's moving. He is moving in you and he your soul. You start saying things you don't even can't believe you're saying. Have you had that moment? Sometimes you're just saying something. You don't know why you're saying it. And it sounded really good, and you're like, that is not me. That cannot be me. All right, so fearless consecration is something important. I like these words, fearless, fearless, fearless. The theme for today is fearless. Number four is fearless faith. There has to be a fearless faith that we experience. Matthew 10, 29, 31 says, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the the ground? apart from your father's will. But the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. That means you're not going to go just swoop down to go get the two coins. You, It says he values each and every one of us that when he gives us an instruction, he wants us not to have fear in that movement, He doesn't want us to swoop down for what we think is more valuable when he's already given us an instruction that's more valuable than what we can even imagine. Now, that's powerful. That is faith. Faith was what we talked about on Saturday night. When Gideon had 20-some thousand soldiers to take over thousands of enemies, right? And God says, no, now it's too many because that means you're going to think that you can do it and not me. And it's not going to be about me, but I'm only do this is doing this to show my glory. So now I'm going to tell you how to cut them down. See, he didn't say just cut it down to 300, so he could pick his favorite three. Come on, dodgeball in school. Line up. Who are you picking for your team? This one, this one. Poor people that were always last ones, right? They were the ones that were on the winning team. Hey, Christmas football. I was thinking about Christmas football. Nobody wanted me, so They all wanted Gene. <laughs> they want a jean no it was cute the one who the one who wanted jean the right was like jeans are no jeans ours. jeans ours. okay good i looked at my guys i said okay we're weak but we're winners (laughs) we're gonna come out remember what came i said we're gonna do this what i say by the word we are gonna win by the word every play is gonna be by the word and here joshua Jubilee starts cheating on me (laughs) <laughs> it was funny. I was like, you put that ball back? He when they turned their backs, he moved the ball ahead. I said, "You get that back and you give them double because that's what the word says. <laughs> give them double." I, said and he was like, "Why? Why they can't see me? You know what I mean? A coach could have easily said, yeah, "Yeah, okay, pass it on." And guess what? I would have lost the game because I would have thought gaining that little bit of t- little bit of it, little bit of dirt, you know what I mean, wasn't val- as valuable as me sticking to what God was showing me. That's faith. Faith is not worrying about if you win, because if you're with him, you already win. We already have the win in him. So are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? What's the value? What's the worth? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. Man, anything the father tells you to do, you can bank that it's going to what? Win. It is going to, it is the works of the father that truly are the works that he has asked us to do. I am telling you, every time the Lord shows me something, I just think that that just doesn't line up. I I don't think that's right. And then he shows it to me how it lines up. It overtakes me because you can't even, there are testimonies you can't even tell because people wouldn't understand them. People can't understand everything that we're called to do. We just have to do what? Do it. When you consecrate yourself fearlessly, Hey, fearless faith is going to increase and you're not going to go to the thing that's of greater value. You're going to go to the thing that is almost the weakest because in the weakest, he is the what? Strongest. I mean, everything, every time I think I didn't deserve something or the weakness, he was definitely the strongest in it. And so I love it. Do not fear. Therefore, you are of more what? Value. Why are we of more value? Because we'll actually hear the instruction will believe that that will cause us to fly higher, to gain more ground, to get more of what he had for us. But he wants us to be like, but it's for what? Not myself. It's for your glory, man. I remember when that started kicking in. I remember the first time I, it was when we put this door over there and I would hear conversations and it would start to kick in. This is about exalting him because I would remember how I would, you could really be good at exalting yourself. I've been, I've been good at exalting myself. I did that good. I did that well. I did that good. And the more times I would ever do that and think about it, I would see all the things I didn't do good. And it really wasn't, it's not something that you can do. It's like House of Zion. When Sheila's like, well, I don't know where the people are going to come from, but she's awesome. She's got her regulars. She has got Rachel on the right. She has got her mom on the left. She knows she got two people there, but whoever comes in the door, if it is God, the flow of the, there's flows that go through her doors where there's like people she doesn't even know. It's awesome. That's fe- that's faith. Fearless faith is opening those doors, having those classes and not cancel them. Think about it. As we're called to grow in teaching, I'll never forget. Jean said, and if nobody's here, you still teach. When he had me take over Wednesday nights, it was like, okay, I didn't bring anybody into Wednesday nights. It was other people who were doing the Wednesday nights. But Gene always said, I, I, every Wednesday night, it would hit me. I don't want to teach. And that's how it would be. I I would be, I don't think I can do it. I don't know. I, you know. And I would just go through this. <gasps> it would work up. My faith was being challenged. Do you know what I mean? And then every time I would be encouraged to break through, break through, and even if it was one person, no matter what, Sheila was my faithful. Sheila was my faithful. For so many years, she was here on a Wednesday night, when sometimes it was just Sheila and myself. You know what I mean? And so, but praise God. He looks to see, will we stick with the plan? And whatever you're called to do, you can't look at the numbers. You can't look at, you have to look at the value of what he is doing in you, not always what you're doing for another person. In that case, Hebrews 11, 33, 34, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge. Oh my God, this is our football game. Escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle and turned to flight the armies of the aliens. I like that. I wish Carrie was here. I would have to really get on to him about that one. <laughs> when we do the plan and the position and the strategic move he assigns us to do, that's, this is exactly what we do. We actually subdued kingdoms. I liked it when the Lord said, I'm a kingdom. (laughs) They are kingdoms. (laughs) I remember when I got that revelation in quiet time. I was like, oh, we subdued kingdoms. All the different mindsets. They have to surrender. That's what's so awesome about the football game. Kept to the word. It didn't make a difference how good the other team, the other team had better players, right? Hey, Carl's laughing because Carl was a replacement of a quarterback, but he was told not to be the quarterback. And he took the quarterback position and we weren't subduing the kingdoms. Then we, they were taking us over. There was gain grounding when we were not following instruction. I liked it. It was so funny. It was funny. (laughs) And if Carl was insecure, he would have been upset. If Carl, you would have been, he's laughing so hard because I was like, Carl, what are you doing? I didn't tell you to be the quarterback. And he was just like, he was like, Hey, he just let me, you know, they both looked at me like two kids. I said, Drew's the quarterback, you support him. But anyway, do you get what I'm saying? There is, what's awesome about, and I got this when we went to Fusky Island last, is I hadn't played chess in a long time. And I uh, played chess a lot growing up, but I hadn't played for a long time. Well, Carrie's really good at it. He really, Carrie. I have to give Carrie some credit. Kerry does have a strategic mind. He's really, it's amazing how he can, he's very good He's, if it wasn't for the sun blocking a, a, a move, I would have lost twice to him. That's how good he is. But God actually has strategic moves for us. One of the things he wants us to learn so much, and this is, this is where it's so emotional, he wants us to learn how to really hear his voice and do the things that don't seem possible so we can receive and redeem back what we always really wanted. But when we get it back, we're not getting it back within ourselves. We're getting it back because he showed us the way. When he told me, I will get you to zero and you'll be debt free in one year. Oh my gosh. The play by play move. When I think about that, I just think, how did I even do that? How did he even agree to do some of these things? Because everything he was calling me to do didn't seem right. In chess, each player, each move has a different direction, a different way to go. And do you know the one thing about the king? The king can only call out, but the king can only move one space at a time. He carries all the power, but he can't move but only one step at a time. That's why it's so important to have a good queen, because a queen can do what? Move everything, but she's not the main person. It's the king. And so think about Jesus. Jesus is not on this earth to move us, but he's on this earth to what? Move us. He is calling out the move. He's not going to be checkmated. He is he's gonna call out an instruction to us, and we've got to do what? We've got to follow it. So we so our people are safe and we're moved. We actually subdued kingdoms. Worked righteousness. Man, that's deep. Working righteousness is we are righteous in his works, not of our own works. So we actually work a righteousness, is because. When he told me to sell, my biggest investment is what he told me to sell first and give it away without receiving the investment. I had a $1.2 million house, a payoff of 498000 And when God said to me, you're going to be out of debt in one year, my first thing was great. I'll just sell my house for 800000 and have all my debt paid off and be free. And I could do that in two months because somebody would buy that house for $800,000. And some people have seen it in here. Not everybody has seen it. Well, then he says, no, you're going to give it away for what your payoff is. And then when he showed me how to do it, I went like this. "Oh, (laughs) How am I going to get all this other debt if you're taking away all my savings in this house? But boy, once I said yes and followed the movement and the movement seemed crazy. But every step of the way, by the end of the year, he had me what? Completely dead. And everything that was upside down. Was the stuff he got rid of last? And all I can say is, he did it. I just had to follow the instruction because when the last one, he told me when he said, "I'll bring it to you," every HUD statement, everything I had to sell said what, zero, zero, zero. And the last piece was a lot that I was fifty percent upside down on, and somebody came and just had to buy it. I had to give it to Carrie. I was like, I can't. I, I, I wouldn't. I can't sell it and know that they're going to pay eighty-two thousand. It's only worth forty. I I just couldn't, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes we have to get our mind out of the world and get our, there was righteous works done every step of that way for his purpose. And it did subdue Anybody who didn't believe, they watched my life that year, they believed. They believed in the way he moves things in our life. It's contrary to the world. That's why he's got to, we have to understand, we can't, we can't receive worldly persecution. We have to recognize it'll happen. We have to be fearless in claiming who is our God and who are we following and and who do we praise? Christ. We have to be fearless in that consecration. We have to be fearless in this faith. We have to be bold because why? There is obtained promises. It stops the mouths of the light. It quenches the violence of fire. Have you ever had somebody scream at you and they can't scream at you because you're in Christ? No, I'm serious. There is worldly people not people who are growing and changing. That's different. (laughs) That is different. When people are in the flow, whatever pains ends got to what? Come out. out. And you're going to be around people that that can happen. But I'm going to tell you, there's worldly people that will sit and attack you and you just take it and you just recognize, wow, they'll stop. They'll stop. The violence will be quenched like a fire. Escape the edge of the sword and the weakness are made strong, made valiant in battle. You know, God's steps in our battle. I like that somebody was telling me today about how they, they have to they scream in war and they do all this stuff and I was thinking, Well, if you know his name and you plead the blood and you know the word, do you know what I mean? We're to get to a place where you can just say, In Jesus' name, and boom, that enemy's got to flee. Because of the confidence of fearless that's coming from your core. When I when I feel an attack or I bring something home, <laughs> I always say bring something home. You know what I mean? It's like all I have to do is say, in the name of you, I can feel it disconnect. Because that means somewhere I had an agreement or I picked something up. Well, none of us are perfect. We're growing into that. So the last thing is what the time, what's the time checked? 620. Okay, last one. The bold confession of Christ. This is the last one for today. We have a bold, for, a bold confession of Christ, Matthew ten thirty two thirty three. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, so important. I, I can remember. It says, remember these are the ten tests. Are you being tested in your? Con- Where are you being tested at in these five things? Being tested, will you boldly confess Christ? In a position where nobody wants to boldly go, where no man has gone before, right? Okay. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also do what? Confess before my Father, who is in heaven. When our soul lifts up to heaven and he sees that we allowed our soul to be renewed and we actually started confessing from truth, not from theory. Think about it. We confess from doctrine. We confess because, hey, I know Jesus is real. But you're not confessing from a heart where it's behind, there's a sound behind that voice where he knows when you confess him, you're, you, there can, if you have fear for the people around you, but your inside know, you know that there is power behind that name. But whoever denies me before men, him, I will also deny before my father who is in heaven. Man, I remember that so much in the very beginning. Because I was loving God. I was having the experiences. Everything he was doing was amazing being his disciple. But then I would have times where I'd enter into a position and you could feel the anger coming off of people that they didn't believe or they didn't know. Because why? Nobody's perfect. But God puts you in a place so that he will not be denied and puts you in a place where people do deny him because they don't know they're not denying him. Okay, that's deep. <laughs> you, you can be around family, friends, people. That talk about Jesus, but that doesn't mean that they really give him the moment. All right? So you have to be very calm and very discerning to never deny Christ in a moment. And sometimes not denying Christ sometimes isn't not saying something. Sometimes not. The enemy wants you to argue and defend him. But sometimes Christ is going to say, just be quiet because they'll see, just stand there. They'll see me and you. And you didn't deny him the moment. But in our voice, there are times that we are to claim him at a moment and a time. How many times have you missed the moment? Everybody, it's part of learning. You miss the moment. You could be in a drugstore and God's telling you to talk to somebody and you didn't, I don't, yeah, okay, move on. I don't feel like doing that. Right? And then all of a sudden, you start feeling that grieving that you know that, did I just deny him? But that's part of that's tests. What are tests for? Right. What grade are you getting? Are you passing? Are you failing? I love that at least we get tested in discipleship. We're not We're not going. I mean, I love the, you know, we want to get the hundredfold return. But it, sometimes if we get the 30, at least we've got the 30. But then now go for the what? The hundredfold. Go for that test and pass it. So he tells us, it's very important, denying him is not hearing his voice and not doing what he's asking us to do and not confessing him at the right time. You see people go knocking at doors and they're claiming Christ, they're claiming Christ, they're claiming Christ, and there's no meaning behind it. And they think they're doing it for this verse. Oh, well, I don't want to deny him because if I deny him, but did he ask you to do it at that time? Isn't that deep? Has he asked you? Is it where he asked you to be? where are you supposed to be there are so many testimonies where people are put in positions that they say something that really does honor him and that it's not denying him so the first five tests of discipleship think about this between now and next week cuz next week we're going to talk about which is really cool family persecution this is a tough one i mean this is we're hitting this now putting god first we get so busy with our days. Do we put God first? Bearing our cross daily. Oof. Ouch. I'm telling you, that's pride. Following Christ and denying self. that We're going to talk about those next five next week. And so hopefully this was good. I mean, everybody in here has the heart of Christ in them. We all have to grow. We have to look on that chart and say, which position am I in? You know what I mean? How well am I hearing his voice? How well am I heeding his way? And so that's what, he, that's what discipleship's for. Discipleship is to help us become more selfless and more doing. I love this. I know James and certain people in here are really doing things, not because it benefits them, but after they feel the change, after you experience something, you're going to feel that it's greater feeling than what you would have gotten if you would have gone for the, the two coins. If you just go for the simple value of everything. So praise Lord. Any questions? All right, let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for giving us trials and trusts and tribulations and conflicts. Lord, we thank you that we're here to grow and learn to be vessels of honor so that you can use us rightly as we divide your word and understand the meaning of its direction. So, Lord, we thank you for your word because it is a two-edged sword. Piercing the di- soul, piercing the division between our soul and our spirit, and truly of our joints and marrow, and is it a true discerner of our heart? So, Lord, keep working and pruning our hearts and getting them down to where they're of flesh, so that we can move and act in the way of the workmanship you have designed us to be. So, Lord, we thank you and we honor you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Oh, this is. Jean-